Welcome to Tea O'Clock with Keller. Bring your tea and leave with more. Welcome. Hola. George already knows this, Kerry, but my brain is somehow not switched on today. Like, I cannot think of words. I hope you'll be fine. I can't lie, but that is kind of what you say most episodes. And then then it's all good. It's funny. I'll just warm up into it. It'll be fine. We've got a lot to talk about. It'll be very exciting. Yeah. And your head's always going to be a bit gone when you're talking about Jacob Elordi. So that's understandable. (laughs) I know. Oh, what's that? What's that really... um, funny film review where she's like oh it's literally a film about someone finding him so hot that they go insane <laughs> yeah that, 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 that tracks yeah we don't even do a let summarize we've just launched right in and it, yeah it's also weird yeah i mean we haven't even actually said the name of the film yet sorry guys we're really a little bit all over the shop um but today we're going to be chatting about the one and only saltburn and Wait. we have Whoa. directed by Emerald Fennell <laughs> that came out um late last year and we have our lovely guest Georgina joining us again hello making a noise <laughs> well side note I've been pronouncing it Fennell but do you think it is Fennell slash do you know I don't know that's all right oh, then we'll I... just carry on yeah I'm not sure whether it's Fennell or Fennell We'd have to I didn't even her. really notice what you said, to be fair. Uh, That's the other thing. I thought it was Barry Keegan, but apparently it's Barry Keoghan. Yeah, I didn't Keoghan? know until I saw that. I, but then I was like, oh, is Jacob just like saying it to be funny? I don't know. I saw apparently at a Comic-Con in 2022 or something, Barry said that it's Keoghan. Oh. Keoghan. As Maybe I googled before the podcast. <laughs> Thank you for your preparation. You're so welcome. I also said I was going to do prep for this. Did I? No. I watched the film. That's preparation yeah. enough, watching the film, because it, there's so yeah. much to think about just after seeing it. I know. I just wanted to get like a deep dive and proper understand. I feel like there's so many extra things that you could analyse in it but then it's fine because George you know everything so you can tell us but I have I have read half oh my god look at that page of notes I'm gonna say I have now read half of Brideshead Revisited oh well done so I have some insight very nice <laughs> some insight oh <laughs> <Sorry, laughs> <so amazing. listeners. laughs> yeah so do we do we even need to do a let summarise because I think this is very much not really a film with a plot not a very succinct plot I think if you were to try and summarize it you kind of just give everything away so I think think my loosest one would be students meet at Oxford one of the students lives with the other and his family for the summer yeah I think that is like, that's the way you describe it to people. That's how I described it to my dad. He was like, when we were watching it, he was like, oh, what film are you guys watching? He was like, what's that about? And I was like, well, are these two guys who meet at university in 2006 and one's rich, one's not rich, and he goes to his big fancy house for the summer. And then... And nothing else happens. Nothing else happens. (laughs) Well, what... Okay, I mean, spoiler territory from now on. Hopefully everyone's yeah. seen it if they're listening to this. What did you think the film was going to be about? Or did you pretty much know before you watched it? Ooh. I love George. You're like, hmm. hmm. <laughs> I think I expected Brideshead vibes. Mm. Because I saw, when I saw the trailer, when it came out however many months ago, I instantly thought Brideshead and then they're like, oh, it's a modern, kind of based on a modern version of it. I think I expected like angsty summer boy vibes mm-hmm. with maybe like a bit of like a love triangle. But I didn't, I don't think I expected it to be like psychological. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't quite see it taking the turn it took. Did anyone? Like, like I knew, I don't think anyone did, 
like I knew it was definitely going to be a lot about this kind of a law of this life and these people and the obsession and and the desire but I think it takes that obsession and desire in in a new way but not necessarily completely new like there are kind of little echoes of I don't know if either of you have read The Little Stranger which is a Sarah Waters book I did it at A level and essentially it's a some it was written in 21st century but it's set based back in like the Victorian um no the like 1940s 60s 60s I want to say and basically this doctor he becomes a doctor for this rich wealthy family and he becomes obsessed with the house and he wants to and he tries to get in with the daughter and marry the daughter and get the the mum shipped off to some hospital and the brother away from the house so that he can control the house because he just oh. loves this house essentially and there's a bit of a ghost involved oh nice <laughs> and but he's not a very nice character at all but i feel like barry felix not felix oliver in this film is a nice character so i kind of feel like that obsession with a place i've seen but obviously mm. not to the extent that it turns to in this with all the murders everything <laughs> I, know, I, I was kind of thinking that it giving off vibes also what you said about a little stranger of kind of the woman in white and kind of lady orderly secret it is better, like you can tell now that i've half read bright head it does feel very old-fashioned like that I feel like that is such a trope of like all this Victorian Edwardian literature of being obsessed with this place and wanting to inherit it. Mm. Like that doesn't feel that modern. Like in yeah. a way, I mean, I know it's set in the noughties, but that's still like a while back for us. I, I guess we've had yeah, so much change for us in that yeah. time. Like we've gone from childhood to actually being adults now, so it does seem like still quite a jump. Mm. Yeah. I was quite shook overall because, I mean, I was thinking similar to what you said, George. I was expecting some kind of like, I think I was thinking it would be karma, like more like the modern take on Emma, that mm. kind of thing with this. Mm. And But I was thinking, oh my God, it's going to be like, call me by your name. Like, oh, I think yeah. it was all the outside garden stuff. And then when we were watching it, it actually did give me call me by your name vibes, which I yeah. a bit more Never. later. But and then I, after people started watching it, then because that was just what I thought from the trailer, and then I thought, oh my god! Like I thought, right? Who's I thought there's going to be like some people getting together, and I was like, there's going to be hardcore gay romance in this. I was like, I thought the main two guys, I thought Oliver and Felix, was like they're going to be having like a proper love affair, and I was thinking, oh. One of them is going to kill the other one. I just knew, I was like, it's going to be lots no. of sex and murder. Like, that was what I went into it knowing. Well, I don't know. No, I just wrong. Like, <laughs> I know. Well, I just kept putting the chat. I was like, yeah, oh, my God, are they going to like, oh, my God. And I was like, wait, they, who's going to kill who? Like, I just knew it was going to be some kind of, like, dark twisted sexual thing. But I did not expect that. Mm-mm. No, I know I know what you mean. And it's almost like when it's kind of getting to a point where you think you're kind of figuring out what he's doing and what he wants, you think it's going to go one way, like something's going to happen and like an accident is going to happen, which causes one of them to die. Mm. But it's definitely a lot more premeditated and thought out, even if if it's impulsively thought out with maybe um the sister mm. and maybe even Felix but I feel like there was a lot more thinking involved in that before yeah that. I feel like in the film Oliver doesn't know how far he's gonna go until he goes there yeah. Yeah. because he's obviously very unreliable because he's oh mm-hmm. you know he cannot help but lie so like when he's saying like oh I didn't love him I didn't you know whatever it's like that is a lie because he yeah. he's realizing his own obsessions as they occur i think that's the yeah I yeah like that. i think that's very true and i have with me a quote 
Oh, I love this. Oh, well, I need to have you on this it. all the time, please. Yes, please. So oh. it actually links back to what you were saying about, you know, like being in love with the house or like wanting to be part of it. So here's some of Barry's thoughts during that infamous bathtub scene. Mm-hmm. So he thinks that Oliver just like, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's just doing it like as it happens so he barry says i just so oliver's thinking according to barry i just want to be part of it i want to be it to be on me i want it to be me and he was like discovering that as he was doing it and i was like that definitely like feel like it adds up because he has like he consumes so much yeah. in saltburn like yeah in all senses of the word um and then it, then i saw this whole thread about like the vampire thing about like you know he has to be invited in like a vampire and like smashes his mirror like a reflection and oh. salt and like salt is like the warding away of vampires oh, i and, like, love that yeah and i was like oh what? yeah yeah and i think because I saw a little video interview bit with him talking about the grave scene and him mm. talking about like why why he did what he did and the whole how that was kind of improvised and whatever. And I think it, he says similar things to with what you just quoted with the bathtub bit. And I think that shows you something so interesting about Barry's like method and getting mm. into Oliver and this this kind of obsession from Oliver leaking into him as he's trying to figure out Oliver and it is just that kind of compulsion and not really knowing what he's doing but just doing anything and everything to be as intertwined with this family and this place Mm. as he can be yeah yeah for sure like he's just he has this end goal but there's no like clear plot of how he's gonna get there yeah because if you think he waits like 15 years after he's essentially sent away from the house by the dad he just has to try and live his life until Mm. the dad dies and he accidentally air quotes (laughs) um bumps into the mum and then kind of is able to fulfill his goal as such it's like he's so overtaken by Saltburn that it lingers. Because to years. me, it doesn't feel like necessarily like a class thing. It's not like because his family home is very like you know middle class, nice like suburbia. Yeah, I don't think it's like a these people live such a high lifestyle. I want it to be mine. I feel like he just like latched on to this concept, this idea of like that like eternal summer and also not that lack of caring towards anyone. Yeah. Like we have is it Barbara who's is it Carrie Mulligan and she's been oh, staying yeah, yeah. and then like it turns out they've got to go to London because she's died and like that is just like, oh I can't believe I have to go to London. Like he doesn't he's not trying to like dismantle them for for their like upper class status. Yeah. He's just chosen them as like something to take down, but like not because they're super rich, if that makes sense. Or at least that's how I thought. Yeah. No, I agree. I don't think it's to do with the money at all I think it's to do with him wanting to be the centre of attention I think it's all to do with people and being known and getting people's affection I don't think he's that bothered about like having material possessions or that like he's so often associated with really grim things I don't think he actually minds that like with that horrible shot of his vomit near the start like he's just not I don't think he's that bothered by any of that I think it's more so like because the bit that stands out for me is when they're singing happy birthday to him and then no one knows his name 
and then after that he is fuming and I'm like, mm-hmm. and there's the same right at the end that famous dance scene when he's just like yeah like I'm big shot here now mm. I just don't think like it's yeah. all that symbolic isn't it I just think he's not even mm. that bothered about that he's just like oh everyone's obsessed with um not Sebastian what's he called Felix. Um, <laughs> Felix. Uh, at uni. So he's like, oh, I want to like I want him to be obsessed mm. with me as well. It's just some kind of he just has weird relationships with people and needs everyone to be obsessed with him. He's not necessarily trying to like destroy them, but it's easier to destroy them to like get mm. them to be obsessed with him. If you it's get like me. an in- it's like an insane form of narcissism. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like. And you even see that with when he's at his parents' house with mm. Felix, and you see all the lies that he's fed his parents, yeah, all basically making him out to be like the most amazing person in the world, doing all these really cool things and being like the top of his class and everything. So it's like he himself has this inner compulsion to just come across as the best person who is loved by everyone and everyone is in awe of and I think that's where when you then look at his friendship if you can call it that between the maths guy um at the very beginning of the film oh yeah that is so unlike what Oliver wants for himself yeah he just grabs whatever opportunities he can to latch onto Felix and his gang because he's like they're the people I want to be I want to be top dog Mm. in that way and I think also like obviously his relationships in the film have got really strong like power dynamics like Mm. there's there's no like there is a massive power imbalance in them even Mm. whether that's him say like when Farley and him sing on the karaoke and Farley puts uh, rent on by Pet Shop Boys and, and it's like that is like a that's not a casual thing like even that is like oh I've got this power to put this song on and like humiliate yeah. you in front of everyone Like there's no even kind of dynamic maybe between no. Elspeth and um, James oh, the like the parents yeah. like in that they're kind of neither of them do much so there is no like power particularly mm. yeah. from them yeah. but, that's very true that's definitely the most neutral power dynamic but like you say all the other relationships every other pairing has that crazy imbalance but then even then they have they're like looking you know after Farley like they're not um, yeah they have that over him so I guess even that's mm. not Perhaps between Elspeth and James, it's it's even, but obviously then they have dependents that they can like turf out whenever they want to. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose as well with like when right at the end when James is trying to get rid of him, and then then like that is like a proper power dynamic then. Oh, but yeah. it's quite interesting because it's like the whole way through is like he's living off his money and then mm. he's like yeah like I will take your money but it's quite interesting and like that feeds back into what we were saying before about it's not really about the money because like he didn't need to take that like he was literally unbothered when he's like oh I'll give you all this money and he's just like yeah mm. yeah yeah and so my question I, is sorry no go on why did Farley live? Why did he let Farley live? Ooh. I don't think he was worthwhile. Like, he wasn't important enough. He didn't like him enough. Like, with... Like, who who was he important to? Like, with um, Felix, he was... Everyone loved him at uni. So it's like, oh, yeah, like, I need to win his affection. And when he doesn't like... Oliver anymore then needs to get rid of him mm. but then with and same like with um what is she called not Julia is she called Julia I'm just Who? thinking of Bride's Head 
Venetia, Venetia, like, obviously, because they have a little fling going and she's like related, she's like the cool girl around the house. What is Farley like? He knows Farley's dependent on them, like, he's not really got an exciting personality to him. Like, I, I think, like, he doesn't view him as like worth collecting the opinion of, so he doesn't need to kill him because he's like, mm. you're not a threat, like, I've never cared about you. So I think it's like when the opinions turn against him and people he cares about, he's like, well, you got to go now. Do you think that he's, Oliver sees themselves as similar? To Farley? Yeah. Maybe in a way. But I think he definitely sees himself as, he sees himself as above everyone, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But I do wonder whether, whether there's, with the whole the fact that he's not killed, there's an element of there was never the opportunity for him. Because mm-hmm. I feel like with all the others, he's handed an opportunity, essentially. Like, mm. and I feel like there isn't that with Farley. So along with your point, Kerry, about he's not really worth it because he doesn't have this, I think in maybe Oliver's head, he doesn't have the same link and doesn't represent the same things as the other family members do to mm. do with Saltburn that it's like well he's not really worth it and there never feels like there's the opportunity for him to get rid of him and even if he did he doesn't really need to because he's not going to stand in his way yeah what do yeah, you think makes sense I think Why did you think that there were similarities between them? I think because they're both strangers and guests in the house. Mm-hmm. I think, and they have that, and and they don't. They're both not from the same background that the family is from, and they kind of have this like. I felt like they kind of had this like toxic camaraderie. Yeah. In moments. But both of them both of them wanted to be the only one. So like it was never gonna work. But there mm-hmm. I feel like there were moments where they both knew that Felix, Venetia, the parents were from this totally different place. Like mm-hmm. they just couldn't their lived experience was just different by nature. Like, there's nothing that the family could have done to have got some of the same life experiences as Oliver and Farley. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, like, Oliver needed total access to Felix, and Farley, like, stepped in the way of that. Yeah. Yeah. And he very quickly shuts that down, <laughs> doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. I did think um, what you were saying about them having toxic camaraderie. I I think the whole time you, you don't necessarily think that Oliver's completely psychopathic. Well, I didn't, and mm, I he's quite charming. I yeah, I guess that's the whole point. Like he's not black and white villain, but I kept thinking that maybe he was genuine connections with people and I thought that with him and Farley that they actually did fancy each other and it was going to be enemies to lovers thing and I think I put my message out to you guys when watching it I was like oh do you think he actually did like him when they slept together because how can because how did he even manage to sleep with him if he wasn't attracted to him that's the thing I'm pretty sure there was definitely something there between the two of them or is it just that he's that manipulative that he can just get away with it Maybe he I was manipulating he me because I, I was believing it I was like I swear you two were a thing and I quite liked it and because I yeah. think the way that the way that Farley can be I think he's not the sort of person to be completely walked on walked over in that yeah. respect so I think there was 
definitely something there like you say it almost feels like if you're to kind of separate that from everything else that happens in the film it almost feels like the two of them could be like the beginning of like an en enemies to lovers sort of like trope mm. it's definitely how and even with the karaoke scene that is kind of that in the same way it's Farley kind of poking at him yeah and kind of rubbing him up the wrong way to get that reaction out of him. Yeah, and especially because Oliver doesn't feel desire conventionally. Yeah. It makes sense that he would probably... Go for the unconventional one. Yeah, really like how twisted his relationship is with Barley and Gelf on that. So I reckon there was a little something. But like, you two are giving really insightful analysis, and I'm like, relationships... <laughs> I'm, I'm no, here but, for the drama. Who's getting with who? No, but that but was, was a fun part. It almost felt like an like, 18th century like ball the whole time of like who's yeah. making advances at who. Well, yeah, I, I wasn't sure. And it definitely sure. does feel like that. Yeah, like throughout, I was like, I wasn't sure which way it was going. Like, I don't think it felt like a straight up thriller for me. I thought, oh, this could be, like, it is probably going to get a little bit dark, but I kind of thought, oh, is this actually going to be, like, a proper affair and just end badly? I was feeling romance vibes, like, especially because we were talking about the whole it giving, call me by your name. Mm. I just, I do think there is a lot of, as much as you don't, all of his intentions aren't always clear, and I don't even think he knew sometimes what he was trying to do. Yeah. I do think that he he wasn't just feeling completely malevolent towards everyone the whole time. Like, I think it it wasn't as twisted as that. I do think he, in his own way, he, if not fancied them, like, had some kind of, like, did want to be with them. Like, I do think it was not romantic, but romantic. Mm. No. I know exactly what you mean, and I even think if you're just to objectively look at the feel, the film, and the feel of the film, it's a very beautiful, romantic looking. There's something so compelling about how the film looks and feels that juxtaposes that that darkness within Oliver. Mm -hmm and his actions and I think all of that is just if I had to sum this film up in one word the word I would use would be desire because I think yeah this film just shows desire in like every single different angle or element or version or everything of it and I feel like you feel that as a watcher because there's something about this film I've seen it twice already and I want to watch it again and I don't know what that says. I don't I don't know what that means. But there's just something so compelling mm. and interesting about it. And so many times like I feel like you can't help but love this film, mm. even though you don't want to. And it's like you don't want to look away from things that are happening and like I don't know. I think it's genuinely intoxicating. Like it is. It is oh, true. within as in, like, as a film, as characters itself, like, they are having this intoxicating thing, but then as a viewer, like, you get so, like, drawn in and, like, you just get totally sucked into the world. And whether that's through, like, the very dreamy, like, bright summer colours or, like, you know, the the little like call me by your name moments I feel like this is the best way to describe them yeah. because if you've seen the film then you instantly can think of what that feeling is what that looks like because like it kind of parts made me think of then like the peach scene in call me mm. by your name I feel like it's quite yes. like yeah and, and that was shocking in its era yeah it's like this like very unflinching presentation of like desire and like passion yeah. that was like oh whoa whatever okay. and, and I would say obviously Saltburn probably is 
at a, at a high level, but also because the age rating is different, I think. Like, yeah. It, the, that plays into it. But um, yeah. it just, and then it has like almost like a gothic mm. element. Like, sometimes you feel like, like uh, Felix and Venetia. I thought there was sometimes like a kind of tension between them that felt a little bit incesty. Um, oh, yeah, because did they made jokes about that. Yeah, I and then and like then they always felt like Greek, like Greek tragedy esque. Yeah, and if you yeah. think of like, and with the um, Felix and Venetia with the the friend from the year before or whenever it was who had had a thing with her but was mm. Felix's friend and that kind of weird triangle dynamic that that formed between them and like you say all the kind of Greek tragedy elements and the kind of Shakespearean elements with the birthday party yeah like yeah, the, yeah, like the Midsummer Night's Dream it draws on everything draws on those gothic stories we know the Greek stories the Shakespeare it pulls all of it together and even the fact that I think that's kind of linked with the whole them the university setting that I know we're not there for long, but that feels like that has a hand in that mm. as well. It has that know. dark academia like yeah. influence. Secret history, yeah. Charles and Camilla. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. I, and especially it's less extreme, but then I've forgotten the names. It's been a while since I read it. But the narrator of Secret History wanting to be part of that world. Yeah. Kind yeah. of becoming obsessed to the degree that he'll do anything to yeah. stay in that world. Yeah. I think it's the whole thing of like, do you desire to be with them or to be them? And that's why it's yeah. such strange, almost supernatural behavior. It's not really human because you're borderline like you don't know whether you want to change your personality to become that actual person or not so it's kind of like your morphing which is why you'll be so animalistic really mm. and licking up the bath water antlers there are, so, <gasps> there are so many great great like points and things that it just i would love to have been in like the script writing room with all of this and just all of the production and everything like mm. I know I think I mentioned this when we were watching it but like to be in Emerald's head when she was coming up with this and making this and filming it like it's just insane and I'm just obsessed yeah I think also like the credit to to Barry and, and Jacob especially yeah. for what they brought to the role because I saw an interview where Emerald was talking about like the casting for Felix and he was saying like a lot she was saying a lot of people were coming in and giving quite a like a bride's head based mm. audition of this like it's hard to describe the bride's head vibe but imagine kind of Ben Wishaw in a period role like okay. I they see were, it they were going like that direction and then she was like then Jacob came in and was just like dead really dead really <laughs> Another dead written and like completely did something different. So like he brought a lot of that to the role. And I think it's clear from Emerald that her background is like, you know, Saltburn isn't a alien kind of environment yeah. for her. Yeah. I think that all combined. Um it's just makes sense. And also did you see that uh one of the producers was Margot Robbie? Yes. Which I was like, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. The woman doing the most there. It's amazing yeah. how, I don't want to say commercial, but also like, yeah, how commercial they managed to make it in just that it's felt very entertaining and artsy at the same time. It was just, I just, you know, well, we're all the same. We just love being able to dig down and analyse things. But it actually did have a plot, to be fair. Like, it wasn't just straightforward in 2D. That's what I love about it. Like, there's so many things that we're bringing up now. That I was just like, yeah, like, when you mentioned when he had those antlers on, and I was like, yes, yeah. he is on the hunt. Go on, mm-hmm. go on. Mm. Oh, so it just makes me think good. of Hannibal, where he's, like, the man yeah. the man with the antlers that Will always mm-hmm. sees as, like, this, like, 
predatory but like almost yeah. encouraging figure yeah. Yeah. which yeah I mean I doubt Emerald was referencing Hannibal well, you never Hannibal, know. but, but uh, like that also has the weird like the kind of dark obsession yeah. like things where you don't fully know why you're doing something but you find yourself compelled to do it anyway mm. yeah which I think does feed into the dark academia kind of genre as yeah. well which yeah. is oh, just love a bit of dark academia oh, I know it's so good yeah but I like what you're saying about it being kind of commercial film because it's hard to find anyone who we know who hasn't seen this I feel like so many people have seen it and so many people who if they had have known maybe not like the weird parts but I don't know more of the more details about the plot film wouldn't really ever go to watch something like this mm. or if it had um, a different cast as well maybe yeah it? and I think just the just everything just I love the fact that it's such a kind of wide-reaching film because it's it's such an amazing film I'm like this is a good this is a really good film like I would recommend this film to mm. people and I love the fact that so many different people have seen it because I'm mm. like yes don't gatekeep the good films like let people see incredible forms of art my question is like I did find it shocking but I didn't feel like I was sh as shocked as like let's say the general public and do you think that's because these kind of films are usually like more indie and don't make it main mainstream whereas this mm. you know was like in every cinema wherever like it's not like like i'm seeing all of us strangers on saturday like i had to go to yeah. specific cinemas to see that whereas yeah. you could see saltburn in the cine world like five minutes yeah. from my house like mm. do you think that because even call me by your name wasn't big in the cinemas no, I, this is the thing. I because I wasn't that shook for the majority of the film. Like everyone's like, "Oh my god, the bath scene!" Well, that was just pretty much the same as coming by your name. Elio did that with Oliver Short, so I didn't think it was that weird. So I think it's that whole thing of like indie gone big, so people were a bit more shook. Yeah. Like what? Like they're showing this on the big screen now? Like I don't know. I've the only thing when we got to the grave scene, obviously, whoa, that that was shocking. But like over it. I thought it was going to be way worse, but I don't know. I think also because it is indie and the like, artsy vibe and it feels literary and we've studied mm. a lot of literature with weird things going on. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, we've, we've read Telony. I mean, nothing can... I know. Yeah, I mean, once that. you've read Telony slash once your flatmates have told you about Telony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I definitely agree that it's kind of indie verging into mainstream. And I feel that's why. I think maybe that's one of the reasons that I love more people are seeing it. Because I'm like, maybe then they'll watch more indie films and see that there are there's this whole group of films which are incredible, but just don't get the recognition mm. they deserve. Mm. And I feel like this is maybe a, a stepping stone towards that. And I do think the general kind of film consensus around indie films and artsy films is changing in the, in a good way mm. but yeah and I think we're, we're the type of people who've we've seen quite a few indie films like we're quite indie film kind of people as well as the mainstream ones so maybe that's why certain mm. things I don't know I think but it's like people who would never choose to see this kind of film like have watched this kind of film like even just within my own like list of people I know okay. interesting comment so my sis one of my sister's colleague was talking about it at work um and I was like oh what did she think about it and she was like oh my sister was like oh she really enjoyed it and then said um it's very edu not educational she basically <laughs> said like it has like a really good message and in my head I was like I don't know what this message is. Really? Well, I, I thought this was a very morally grey, there isn't really a clear message, is he the good guy, is he the bad guy kind of film. Like, I thought that was the point of the film, that you don't know, that yeah, you're I left think questioning. 
I thought it was just a film about human nature, really. I didn't yeah. think it was especially strong message format. I mm. agree. Yeah, and I was like, I love that someone has taken that from this film, mm. but I really don't know what yeah. that educational message is. I don't know. <laughs> that really baffled me. I was, I saw the response, and I was like, sat for a full five minutes, like, did you watch the same film? Yeah. Well, someone. Well, actually, my friend said to me today because I was saying I was personally a bit not necessarily surprised, but that oh, it didn't get any Oscar nominations. Mm. And my friend went, well, yeah, because it wasn't actually that good a film. It's just a film that a lot of people. Like there's just been a lot of buzz about it, and I was like, that you know, riled me up. No, 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 no. I do think it's a good film. It just didn't have maybe the budget of some of the other big films like Oppenheimer. I do. I think just because it's a film that had a lot of attention doesn't mean that it's a bad film at all. Like, I actually think the the cinematography for a start, I loved. I loved the square filming of it. Yeah, so cool. I really so love that. And I don't know. I think this was such... This was a film where I was really conscious of directorial choice. Not yeah. I don't think about it for other films, but I just feel like everything was so carefully placed in the best way possible. Everything felt intentional. Like I was really paying attention. Like the angles of Oliver... Because it was so subtle because he couldn't be straight up obsessive and evil from the start it was more so like the shots of him coming in to rooms and angles and like Felix being above him like, I just think it was such a smart film mm. it, yeah I don't know if you guys want to say anything else to why it is a really good film well I think the to lead on from your point I loved the shots of him being a distance away looking in yeah. and you're you're kind of like the same distance away with the camera as he is which like really adds to that like kind of stalkery feeling yeah but also I feel like they really played on the height dynamics which obviously maybe they had looking out for casting we need someone with a reasonable height difference because they could choose in scenes to make them look at a more similar height like that that's done been done plenty of times before but mm. they didn't and they really had like shots like i'm thinking of the party with farley and like they're kind of silhouetted in the front and like there's a real emphasis of oliver looking up at him yeah but also like a lot of the scenes with felix like you really feel like when they're on the bridge throwing the stones and stuff and I feel like they really leaned into that because then that's like another power dynamic. Like normally it's like a height dynamic, which then like often obviously Oliver flicks that around. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I think that like, I don't know, I was like, that is a choice. Like that is a directorial yeah. choice. Yeah, like I don't know how intentional having like the gigantic height difference between the two of them, <laughs> but like, it they use that to their advantage and use it so well and then like you say it must have been a casting choice to just like really like shove it into your face and show you that power dynamic of being like he's trying to reach his height and his levels quite literally like he's, and I think that's another reason why the casting is just fantastic in there because they just work so well together and I think the cast sorry one more point about casting and then I'm gonna let Carrie talk I'm so sorry Carrie I was just gonna say um I also think the casting in this is one of the reasons why it has the audience it has the wide-ranging audience because they could have put nobodies in this film I think it works having these great young actors who people are beginning to know and love, right? Okay, as well Point as over. well as Rosamund Pike and Richard E. Grant. Oh, like, and Carrie Mulligan, and just and Carrie Mulligan, so yeah. good. Okay, Carrie, the so, stage is yours. Essentially, I agree. And another thought I have about casting is 
I'm pretty sure before they started filming this that Jacob Elordi was already the internet's boyfriend because yeah. Euphoria's been going on for so long and people have been obsessed with him from that. So I think surely that must have been on Emerald's mind yeah. when, you know, science cast him. And that works so well because then I think we have even more of a pull towards him and even more of an emotional and visceral reaction to the film. I mean, that was so smart because it all because he feels so everything in the film feels so relatable, which makes zero sense in a way. But I just mean that aside from the super hyperbolic moments and the murder and like I don't I don't want to do the grave scene, like just the general setting of it is so now is so current. Like, I kept saying to you, I was so shook by Jacob's acting because he was exactly like guys we go to uni with. I just you just know that person. He was mm-hmm. so giving Exeter. Like there's everything everything he was saying. Mm-hmm. It was the yeah. most like it was so I just don't have the words for it. It was incredible. Like that was giving internet boyfriend like I just need to stop that I just it it was yes a lot no I totally (laughs) agree and like they knew that when they were casting him whoever they were going to cast in that role was going to already be someone who the world loved and And was obsessed with yeah yeah and that in itself before you've even begun watching the film you already feel a little bit like Oliver because you're already like well I want Felix and yeah you're questioning whether you want him or you want to be him and that's literally Felix um Oliver throughout the film and I think that just adds another another level to the film that almost makes it verge into being a little bit meta mm. but then they're like oh we're gonna shove it 15 years in the past so it doesn't feel like that and I feel like that's such but a that like that's story. A well. time when a lot of people, like us, like were growing up, then, like you know, we're, it's probably more like you know if you were born like mid nineties, it would be more like obviously they're at uni, but it's a very familiar, yeah, time like where yeah. it's the music, or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have that like connection through there. Yeah, but then it does feel like a universal film. Like it's it doesn't feel like it's just catering for one age group. But it's very clever. It definitely has that angle. Like they do not exist in a vacuum. Like they have to be aware that yeah, his he comes with a certain fan base, should we say? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think it's especially in just generally today in celebrity culture and everything if you don't want that to influence your film that you're making you have to pick nobody's because people I mean people have done this since movie stars were invented like you all the you as a watcher always bring whatever associations you've got that actor Mm. to whatever you're watching you can't ever watch anything in a vacuum and Emerald really uses that to her advantage with everyone in this film to parallel call by your name again it's like how timothy like that is very early on in his career yeah and he he has less he comes with like a kind of mystery more and it's more like normal like boy that's just you know this is his family mm-hmm. and whatever whereas army had like he'd done more before so comes in with this certain like charm, this this like knowability. So I think if that's you know that's only one example where using bigger names versus smaller names, or like using an actor's experience to add like another layer to your film. Oh, Side sorry. note, sorry, let's we'll just say um as a quick thing um. I don't know what accent Barry was trying to do, um, but I love him for trying. <laughs> well, I think 
at a certain point, he was supposed to be Geordie, but, and I saw someone talking about, oh, he did a really good accent in the film, and I was like, I think his acting was really good. I don't know why they wanted him to do that accent, though. But I thought for a lot of it that he was just doing his own Irish accent. I don't know. I don't know what that was about or if that was intentional, him slipping in and out like while he was shape-shifting. I don't know. It almost feels like with how intentional everything else is in the film, it's mm. almost like it feels like it could have been intentional that his accent wasn't completely the same throughout because mm. he is the one he is the one constantly changing and trying to fit into different moulds and whatever but there are definitely points like I'm pretty sure when they're like him and Felix are in the car going to his parents house and his accent seems completely different there yeah like in the morning when they're in the bathroom talking yeah not really sure I mean there were points the first time around when I was watching it when um Jacob very first started talking when you first hear him and I was a bit taken aback because I've obviously only ever seen him use his American accent and to hear him use literally the most Rolly Ra accent <laughs> in the world like it took me a minute I know same. he did a great job <laughs> that's yeah. for Jacob yeah. he's convinced me more into being part of the Frankenstein film yeah I think he's gonna I think he's gonna ace that I think that's gonna be really interesting to see um yeah um i have also, a question oh sorry go no you can go oh i was just gonna say i saw some of um saw some of the snl that he was on the other night it was on telly and he plays he played a couple of quite kind of light-hearted and fun kind of characters which was also very fun to see and like you can tell that he is an actor through and through yeah very yeah. exciting for sure. Um, uh, I want to know, George, all of your brideshead analysis, how <laughs> does that fit in to this film? Well, thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> but if possible, don't tell me the ending. No, I- I'll stick to more like vibes than Okay, thank plot. you. Okay. But well, obviously, you have the instant same setting of Oxford and, like, Oxford University. And I think something that's immediately similar is, like, um, Oliver, just, like, the narrator of Brideshead, whose name is... Does he have a name? He does have Why a name. Do like, they don't Charles. tell you his name for Charles. a really long time. Charles. Charles. Yeah, Charles. Okay. So, Charles, like comes into Oxford and he's like he doesn't really have any friends and the only friends kind of it's only who his cousin is saying oh you should avoid this person you should not avoid that person um so you have that parallel with Oliver having his one and only friend who he doesn't really even like um and then Sebastian slash Felix represents this like almost otherworldly cool person that has just got this like gravitational pull that you just want to be like sucked into but there's also like this feeling that it might not be the best thing for you to be involved in this with this person and and I think for Felix it's just like the amount of popularity he has that always comes with like a caveat like no one's that popular and not got you know not done bad things I feel and the same with Sebastian like he comes Sebastian's got his drinking and I suppose in the era of the book he's like you know not presented as straight which for that era is you know like another subversive thing so I think you have that and then you obviously have like a very intense friendship build very rapidly, like literally over just a first year of university to the point where like everyone just knows that you're joined at the hip. 
And then I'd say, obviously, at Bride's Head slash Saltburn, like, those montages, the kind of coy by name montages, like, similar to the book where they're just, like, painting, like, Charles is painting all day and they're trying different wines. And, like, in the film, when they're just kind of running around the estate and, like, tiptoeing around the, the, the water fountain and that stuff, like, that really remind me of of the both and also that feeling like of Sebastian and Felix not being aware of how privileged their lives are like having that slight like acknowledgement but they don't actually know and it's like when when Felix thinks that Oliver is you know has had a parent pass away the other one is unstable and Felix is like, no, I, and Oliver's like, I know I need to take my exams. I need to do them. And, and Felix is just like, no, don't. Like, you don't need to. That's because he, like, you know, Oliver's relying on this fictional Oliver is relying on, like, a scholarship or those results to, like, carry on his education. Whereas for Felix, it doesn't matter if he dropped out, whatever, because there's no, like, consequence to anything. So I feel like that does cross over with Bride's Head. But I think, and also having the like dynamic between the sister, like that kind of love triangle, um, definitely parallels. And the kind of slightly like incestuous vibe between brother and sister, I think also carries over. But obviously it does depart from Bride's Head <laughs> in places. But I definitely think there's like the the certain structures from Brideshead are in the film, but I think some of it's more of a feeling than like a power like a plot parallel. Mm. That's really interesting because I guess a lot of this film relies on that kind of that feeling and that mood, and it sounds like there are a lot of similarities between the type of type of world and the type of people and how they see the world and how that's being displayed within this film and the book the main Ooh. thing I've been thinking about because now I'm reading it having watched Saltburn and I'm, I keep waiting for Charles to somehow bring about Sebastian Downfall but then I was thinking actually is Charles responsible for Sebastian having a breakdown because he's not out trying to manipulate him like Oliver is with Felix but he still is enabling him so I do find that quite interesting how the film just I feel like it it pulls out a lot of interesting strands in the book and then just completely exaggerates them so I'm Mm. very intrigued Mm. for the ending to see what becomes of Sebastian but I actually um when you were talking I thought of another question you pretty much knew when we were watching it that Oliver had lied about his dad passing away Mm. was Mm. that influenced by reading Brideshead and finding out that actually um Charles he is supposedly poor, but he comes from a wealthy family and he still has a father. So it's that thing of like, oh, he's supposedly like not that wealthy, but like he just actually is. Like, did that have any bearing on it? Or what, what, why did you think he was lying? I hadn't considered that element when I was watching it, but I do think like that definitely can add a seed of suspicion. Suspicion. <laughs> Um, for me, it was like I knew that Oliver was becoming obsessed, and obviously not necessarily in a targeted way, like we find out at the end. But I was like, "What's something that Felix can't deny Oliver?" And that's like comfort in grief. So it would be the best, like strategy to get in is like the best strategy is pity and sympathy 
and it, I and that's so like compelling and even then when you see the parents like they only find Barbara interesting because she's got this like crazy backstory so I feel like it, it's like a, he knew it was a how they would think and then he almost so I just felt like I wasn't sure but I felt like if I was Oliver how would I guarantee my way into Felix's life even more it's like I've got to come up with something that's you can't rebuke like you can't just get tired of yeah and I think that's That's true because that happens at the point where it almost feels like just before that is when you feel like they've kind of they've lost it with each other because it's after um Oliver's had a go at him for just lazing around in the sun and having his room a tip and everything and that almost feels like potentially that's the moment where Oliver's kind of guy slips a little bit and he lets himself go a little bit too much he almost loses Felix so it's like he's trying to come up with something in order to to gain him back and keep him trapped mm. yeah but that was good gut instinct from you wherever you got that from in that moment thank you so, yeah. a bit worrying though if I can put myself in his brain well no I think you place. just have a good yeah. radar for um people well what's the what, what's the polite way because they're not explicit on here <laughs> you've got you've got a good radar for nonsense like you're not yeah. taking that i mean you're just wary nonsense yeah. radar is on yeah full power yeah it was i have none that whole time like it's so obvious when you look back you're like well obviously like they just stopped being friends so he had to do it's like that's pretty coincidental that his dad died and he went back and got comfort the next day mm. but me I was like oh bless him oh, he's, I'm glad he's got that friend <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> you're just not cynical like I am no I just think you're good at seeing red flags but <laughs> I, I see none you see but them and just move you balance yourself out. <laughs> yeah Oh, I thought of a blonde moment. If um, we're doing blonde moments, yeah, I just thought yeah. we didn't even do what we've been consuming. Uh, oh, we didn't. Do you want to do that now, or should we just leave it? I don't know. Should we leave it? Unless George had prepared it. Now you're sad you can't do it. Not really. I was just gonna say I watched Big Boys season two and finished Hannibal. Though my con- consumptions. Very nice. But I do have a long moment. Amazing. Do you have any final thoughts on Saltburn that we wish to share before we blonde moment? I think just watched I, a film. <laughs> I just Dude. think there's too much to say. I think we just got to cut ourselves off and let George have a blonde moment. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And please, can someone somewhere write an essay on this? on all the different aspects of it. please i wanted I to read want this to, yeah i just want to soak up everything mm. i bet kate would do a banging oh i know i want to email insane. kate and be like kate hun have you have you seen this you should see this be because right it would be perfect for her cinema and desire module it would be in i mean like we said it's dripping with desire oh yeah. well, please don't use that word sorry <laughs> <laughs> It's a bit too soon. <laughs> also, we didn't. Sorry, I'm just really going to quickly mention Mr. Creepy male version of Mrs. Danvers. Oh yeah. I don't. Aww. I don't know what to make about him. He was just there, quite creepy. It's almost like he could have potentially have wanted the same things as Oliver, but didn't have the guts or maybe mm. that slight unhinged nature to actually go through with it um, yeah he was in some ways he, he was weirder me... at times than oliver was he yeah. makes weird comments throughout the film to oliver yeah. that i just i haven't quite been able to nail him down mm. well anyway we'll leave everyone on that puzzle and go for a blonde moment george take it away 
Blum moment. Do do. My blonde moment is for Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig for getting absolutely shafted in the Oscar nominations. Yeah. Mega yeah. fuming. Deserve better. I think it's the same thing of a popular film gets disregarded by the critics because everyone enjoyed it. Yeah. And even just, just the whole Saltburn snub completely. Yeah. I mean... Anyway, so yeah, that's what that's the blonde moment I was itching to say. Yeah, yeah. I think that. Is... Thank you for that. Yeah, perfect. Thank okay. you so so much, George, for joining yeah, us. Massive thanks. Thanks for so having me on. So much. It was a treat. I've been itching to use the word again to talk about saltburn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been great fun. And Ella, what are we back with next time? Mm-hmm. Next time we'll be back with our second The Story of the Novel Without Men episode. Ooh. So, woo. Um, if you haven't already listened to our introduction episode, go listen to that. And yeah, we'll be back with some more stuff the week after. And then we're going to talk about all of our strangers the week after. So more good indie films very exciting see you all soon bye thanks for listening to tea o'clock with keller join us next time for more